You're listening to the System Semi Podcast, episode number 237. Today, we're going to be talking about how to plan, write, and schedule your weekly emails. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Jordan, and my business love language is efficiency, because who doesn't want to sip pina coladas on the beach while your business runs on autopilot? We're here to help overworked one-woman shows become streamlined solopreneurs. And now with over 150,000 downloads, this is the System Save Me podcast. Hey, hey, y'all. I'm so excited for this guest for you today. She is like the email ninja of all email ninjas. If there were hundreds of thousands of email ninjas out there. So I'm really excited and honored to bring her to you guys today because I know that emails are a sore spot for me and I know that they probably are also a sore spot for you. So with that being said, Ms. Tarzan K, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. My son is going to be really excited when I tell him that I'm a ninja. <laughs> Absolutely. Is he a Ninjago fan? Is that what? Oh my gosh. Ninja go yep. Ninja. I know the song. I know all the songs. Yeah. We don't need to rehash <laughs> that. So what we're going to be talking about today, tell us a little bit about you and your business. I'm Tarzan K and I discovered early on in my business, I started my business as a copywriter, writing all sorts of copy for clients and quickly discovered that email was my zone of genius and I was naturally really good at it. And I took lots of classes and got better at it. And then I arrived at a point where I was like, Hey, maybe I should, instead of doing this for other people, I should use this super superpower on myself. Yeah. And that was like, maybe like a year into my business. Took me a bit of time to figure it out, but not that long. And I started emailing my list consistently around that time. And now it's four years later since committing to email. And I just get more fanatical about it every single day. Like I love email. It's a great place to build relationships. It's a really intimate space. I am really fortunate to have a list of people. Like sometimes I can't believe it when I'm talking to people in real life you know, real life people, flesh and bone. And they'll be like, what do you do? And I'll be like, I can't even believe this. But, you know, I write these stories and I write these ideas down and like people read them and they really like them. And I'm so lucky. So that's what I do. That's my business. I teach programs about email. You know, I do all those things. Email. That's my jam. Yes. Just being in the internet space in general, people are like, so you put an Instagram story up and you make money. I'm like, yeah, I don't really know how to (laughs) this is awkward. So anyway, but so you send emails and make money. That's your jam. That's right. So speaking of, that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to talk about how to plan, write, and schedule your weekly emails, which I know is a pain point for me. So I will personally be taking notes. Everybody else, get your notebooks ready, put your babies down, you know, stop the dishes because we all need to get better at this together. So first, before we get into the steps, kind of what was your business or your clients' businesses like before they actually put into place like a weekly nurture sequence or weekly communication with their audience? Okay. Well, typically what happens, like the online course industry, like there's so much opportunity. It's also a little bit hypey and people ignore, like when you tell them, like in order to be successful with online courses, you have to have like an audience and you have to nurture them. And they're like, okay, yeah, I'll do that eventually, but I'll just build this thing first. And they're like building their thing and maybe they're like building an email list, hopefully. But typically what happens is like you put up a, 
your first freebie and then you just sort of forget about it because you're like, I have to wait till there's enough people that it makes sense. And then it's like six months down the line and you're like, I have a few hundred subscribers. They don't even know who I am anymore. Like, what do I do <laughs> now? I think maybe I'll just try launching this product. And then you're like, oh, it doesn't work. Like the dream, like they sold me on this and it's a scam. Anyway, I'm being very dramatic, but anyway. Here's like a more sane way that that can go. Of course, you can always recover. You can always recover. Some of us learn early in our businesses that you have to have an email list and you have to nurture them. And if you do that, they will buy from you. I personally had to learn it the hard way by launching a product to a small list and, you know, four people bought and I thought I was going to make $100,000 and I was very sad. But I also learned, okay, I guess I have to actually grow and nurture an email list. Yep. And what happens when you actually do grow and nurture your email list, preferably before you create a product, is they will tell you what they want to buy from you. They'll tell you what you should create next. They'll give you all of the information you need to create your first successful project uh, product. And what's even more cool and I don't want to say, like, there's never certainty. Launches can go sideways for all sorts of reasons, but you can, like, it does. I find now that I have this, like, well loved, well nurtured email list, it's like, or far less uncertainty going into an online course launch. You know, I kind of know people are definitely going to buy it, it's definitely going to make money. Am I going to surpass my best goal? Like, I don't know. I'm not actually great at predicting numbers, but I do feel like, you know, I can plan and execute a launch with like a lot more safety and security around there because I know people are going to buy because they tell me I'll buy this thing. I'm ready to buy it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, usually a, a good indicator there for sure. And so go ahead and walk us through the steps that it takes to actually, again, put this into place and make it a priority because obviously you know, we hear the benefits of, okay, you know, you'll get more people to sign up for your thing. You'll get your communities talking to you and engaging with you like great. And how do we then actually put this into practice? Okay. So I think the first and most important thing when it comes to email is really just making a commitment to consistency. So that like, I think at minimum, like once a week is the best once every other week, that's like second best every month, like a lot of people are going to forget about you. Yeah. So let's say every other week is the minimum, but let's just pretend you're going to go for gold and you're going to do it weekly. So the first thing that you have to do absolutely is put it in your calendar. Like what day does that email go out? Let's say it goes out on Tuesday. So on Monday, there's a time in your calendar where you're going to sit down and you're going to write the email. So that's step one is just like organizing yourself so that you have the time blocked out and you have made a commitment. I will say like just showing up in people's inboxes week after week, even if your emails are so, so like every time you show up, you are building that no like, and trust factor. You're the person that's like still there. And business is like, it's such a long game. Like many of us are in the beginning, like you've got to be scrappy and you've got to have short game. 
you got to be able to like message people and like hustle up clients and like just get shit moving. Absolutely. But also if you don't want to be doing that forever, cause that's like not the most fun. Um, it's not the most fun and you don't always want to be in hustle mode. If you want to be building the type of business where people go to you and you're not always chasing them, you have to be playing a long game as well. So that is what we're talking about here. This isn't something that pays off overnight. Like you got to give it like at least six months before you actually are like, Oh, I get why I'm supposed to do this. So the commitment is totally essential. It's this like some important thinking work you got to do first, but let's then look at the practical. So I have a bit of help in my business, but all of these steps that I'll tell you in my system are something you could do yourself. I'll just tell you how they work in my business. So every single month, I typically email my list one to three times per week, depending on what else is going on in my business. Currently, because I'm going down to three days a week, we're like, let's see a once a week schedule. But back in January, we were on three days a week. So the first thing I do is open a Google new, like we have a newsletter folder in Google Drive and each month is its own doc. So January, like the document has a very clear naming convention. So it's really easy to find January, 2020 newsletter emails, February, 2020 newsletter emails. So January, I open a fresh doc and at the top of the doc is where I capture ideas. It's also where like anyone, if my team has like stuff they want me to talk about, if I'm seeding a program that I'm about to launch, I just throw my notes in there for different stuff I could talk about. Hey, I was on this podcast. I was on System Save Me podcast. Or like, you know, sometimes I just was like in a coaching session this morning and we were talking through some, this funny childhood thing. And she was like, oh, you should write, my coach was like, you should write an email about it. That'd be funny. Okay. Yeah, for sure. That's going to like go in my doc. So capturing those ideas is so, so essential. Like that's like a huge, huge part of the work. And because if you're sitting down to like, okay, it's Monday, I have to write my weekly email. And there's like just this blinking cursor and you're like, I don't even know what am I supposed to write about? Like, it's so much easier if you sit down to like a nice, a box of ideas that you can pick through and find one that feels inspiring to you. So that's so important. And I used to do that. I used to have like a notes app, you know, I've done that in all sorts of ways, but now the cleanest to just keep it all in one place, put it in the January newsletter doc. Here's all the ideas at the top. And then my assistant, she actually creates these docs each month. So if there's something like, I know, okay, in November, my birthday's coming up and I want to say something about it. I can go find the November doc and just pop that in there, which is incredibly helpful. But she's creating the doc and the doc has like the date of each email. That's the headline. And then it will just say like the subject line. And then there's just like a line break. And then she'll just like, basically she's setting me up for every single email for the whole month. And the reason why you do it that way is because Google will then create a table of contents for you. So you want to make sure the headline of each email is the date. Like, again, we have naming conventions for this, but it's basically the date slash subject of the email. So she sets all that up for me because I did find like, it's a really small thing, but I can waste so much time on those like little administrative tasks. Like my job in this business is to do the creative work. And anything that I could possibly cut out to save five minutes here and there is enormous. So she creates the doc. Then I go in to write the email. Monday is my no meeting day. So typically, sometimes I schedule personal things and, you know, it's imperfect. Like occasionally something slips in. But for the most part, almost every Monday, my schedule is completely clear. 
So that's my day for writing emails. So I will go into the doc because that is due on Monday and I'll write my, you know, I'll pick ideas from this beautiful wealth of ideas that I have been collecting for the last week or month or however long. And I'll write a couple of emails. And then all I do when the email is done is I just put a check mark beside the headline title of the email, like beside the date, just put a check mark there. And then I refresh the table of contents and then I go into Asana and then I tag her so that she knows the email is done. And then she goes back, she uploads it to Active Campaign, adds a second check mark. So I know it's been uploaded. And then after that, it gets handed off to my business manager, Sandra, who does a final check, makes sure the audience is correct and schedules it. That's the whole process. Have you been dying to create a VIP day or virtual intensive offering, but are stuck in overthinking everything? You love what you do and how you support your clients, but lately it's become, well, too much. You may even be hitting your monthly revenue goals, but you're left completely exhausted. Yeah, been there, bought the t-shirt and the mug. Good news, I've built my virtual VIP day bootcamp that walks you through the nine steps to create and selling a one day virtual intensive. Grab the podcast only pricing of $37 for this two hour training plus tons of bonuses to build and sell your own one day virtual intensive. Since 2016, I've completely replaced monthly retainers with one day virtual intensives and VIP weekends. So join me and stop dealing with the late night slack pings, lacking control over your own calendar, chasing invoices, explaining scope creep again, you catch my drift. Head on over to systemsamey.com slash pod bootcamp. That's P-O-D-B-O-O-T-C-A-M-P and grab the goods. All right, back to the episode. You know, the naming conventions are big for me because again, like things can just get lost so easily and people totally underestimate like Google Drive and Dropbox like file management. And I'm like, that's like core to my being. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I dream of them just being a little bit better organized. Like you don't know when you're starting out, you're like, oh, I, you don't have that much stuff. But like, oh my gosh, if every time I created something that was free, a free training or a free opt-in or whatever, if I had just named it freebie, I would have like an instant vault. Like now we're like in the process of creating this content vault and we have to like pick through all the old files that are incorrectly named and like find all this gold that I created and lost because of improper naming conventions. Oh, I know. Yep. I have it on my dream list for sure this quarter to go through all of that as well, because I've had like three business name changes. So add that into the mix and it's really fun. So, oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) but I love the naming conventions. And I also love that again, people overthink the simplicity of a check mark. I do a very similar thing in my Slack channel. If I send somebody a task, they need to put the eyeball emoji if they've seen it and then a check mark when it's done. Oh my gosh. I love that. It's like, why do we need to overcomplicate this? Like, just, I need to know if you've seen it or not. And I need to know if it's done. Those are the only two things I care about. (laughs) And so the fact that you use a checkmark system too with your Google Docs is really cool. And I think, again, the first check is is you. The second check is your second person. And then your third person goes and, and does the actual like end wrap up, right? And never underestimate the power of checks and balances. I think a lot of people are like, 
well, when they do it, it's done. And while that may be helpful in some instances, something important as active campaign, which can be semi-confusing, you know, <laughs> for real, like you want to double check that stuff. So I like that you have the checks and balances already embedded. And again, you know, if you're a solopreneur, then, you know, you kind of have to ignore this, but well, I will say one of the cool things about this system is that three different people read the email because you really like, you can't be your own proofreader. No. But if you don't have someone to do that job for you, at least give it 24 hours. Cause after you're done the email, like you've looked at it so many times, even if you've only spent half an hour on it, you basically have it memorized. So you can't be your own editor, but if you just come back to it the next day with a fresh set of eyes, like guaranteed, you're going to find a typo here and there that you wouldn't have seen before. Oh, that's a good method for sure. (laughs) It's good because I think again, like even myself, like I'll have typos all the time and I'm just like throwing stuff out there. And while, you know, I'm a good old journalism major, I also make mistakes. And so there's so much value in, in that second pair of eyes. So I like that sleeping on it really does create that fresh perspective the next day, which I hadn't thought about for even myself, which is great. So then with all of that, are you checking then and going back and looking at like metrics of like what works and what doesn't? And are you then incorporating that in future emails? So you're seeing like, oh, these types of emails or these types of topics are most interesting to my audience. And so I'm going to incorporate that in the future. Or do you just send the emails and if they do well, they do well? Well, I mean, we do a bit of both. So we do track all the metrics and, you know, at certain times we're more overzealous about actually talking about them and looking at them, but we do track them and we do, they are part of like our sort of scorecard and open rate, unsubscribe rate, click through rate, all those things. So yeah, we absolutely look at those. But to me, the most important metric is the number of replies and the quality of replies. And actually that's something that's really easy to just organically observe. Like even I don't even answer my own emails anymore because it just got, I just don't have the bandwidth anymore. But I sent out an email last week and I was off work and it was like not working technically, but it was something that was like really close to my heart. And I was like, I wonder how people are feeling about this. I'm not working this week, so I don't not going to get a chance to ask someone. So I just went into the inbox that has all the replies and I just read them all and replied to some of them, but I was totally blown away by the number of replies and the quality of those replies. I was like, wow, this is like, I've totally hit a hot button here. So I was so glad that I knew there was something there. So I looked, but you know, if most people are reading their own replies, those are like so key. And this is another reason why I really love email marketing. Like it's, you know, the stuff people send to you, like it's really private. Like people do, my audience is like, they trust me. And part of trusting me is like, they also trust me with their criticism of me. And I take that so seriously. Like they will send me long emails about like what I need to do better. And also when I do something good, they will also send me long emails about what was good about it. And that is just like, there's no data that is better than that data. It is invaluable and is like explains why email marketing is so powerful. 
That's so true. I do think like the highest form of knowing if your emails do well are responses. Like opens, we got it. That's like headlines, clicks, right? Like people be clicking all over the place and it's great. And like, I think the most powerful thing to to track on how engaged your list is and how interested and how much they trust you is those replies. So I like that you made that a point to talk about as far as like metrics. Cause I think most people talk about opens and clicks all day long, which is great and perfect. And you know, is a part of it. And those replies are gold, just like kind of like Instagram. It's like, okay, people like people comment, but if you get a DM, it's like, Oh, like people want to talk. Right. Exactly. And just one note on open rates and click through rates. Another thing you got to know is like those like baseline metrics for what's a good open rate and what's a good click-through rate, like they are heavily influenced by the size of your email list. So when you're early on and you have like a couple hundred subscribers, you might be like, well, I have the greatest open rate. I have like a 50% open rate. I'm amazing. Right. But really it's because you have a really small list. Like 50% is great. No matter how, what the size of your email is, 50% is amazing. However, and those metrics change based on the size of your list, whether or not you're in a promotion. So that's actually another reason to look at your own metrics, be in competition with yourself and be noticing like how, you know, what happens open rate when you're on the tail end of a big promo and you've sent a whole bunch of emails and, you know, you got to like keep the pulse on your own numbers rather than worrying about some number that someone else told you was good to have. Totally. Yep. Focus on beating your personal best, which reminds me of like running, right? Like, okay, so what if someone's faster than you, you know, just continue to beat your PR, like your personal run rate. I don't know. I don't run clearly. So, <laughs> <laughs> not my wheelhouse. So I think that is super crucial and getting that baseline and then knowing how you can get better and better at it is perfect. So with that being said, um, a few additional questions. Obviously, you mentioned really all of this done for you and like Google Docs and Active Campaign. Is Active Campaign the like email marketing provider that you suggest for people, or are do you kind of like give no other tools? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we just switched to Active Campaign, and I will say I love Active Campaign. Like Active Campaign is awesome. It can do so many things I've been wanting to do and asking my business manager, like, can we do this? Can we do that? And she was like, we could if we had Active Campaign. So finally we switched. However, like I do not touch Active Campaign. I don't even know what's going on in there. The learning curve is much steeper. Like the process of creating audiences is like, it's way more complex. So I used and loved ConvertKit for four years. And I still strongly recommend ConvertKit. And I know when I was starting out, it was like, I just want to use the tool that like all the rich people use, like just get me Infusionsoft, you know, and that's like a really difficult program to use. I needed a program that I could use from the moment I signed up. Like there's still a learning curve, but to do basics is really easy to set up rules, edit your template. Like all that stuff is like, I feel like anyone can learn with a little bit of elbow grease and like a determination to figure out your tech. You can learn it pretty quickly without being like, oh, forget about this. It's too hard. And I don't think like I love active campaign for people who are want, thinking, I don't know, that maybe they want to do it. Like I will recommend it all day long. 
But if you're a beginner and you're starting out with email marketing, like definitely convert kit. Yeah, I agree. I give the same recommendations too. I do use Active Campaign and I love it and I'm obsessed with it and I do a lot of fun stuff with it. Yeah. And if you are really just trying to send emails on a weekly basis or send like a pre scheduled email, just, you know, ConvertKit is plenty, plenty, plenty for you. It's plenty. And I also have done lots of launches with ConvertKit, complex launches where I had expiring bonuses and, you know, like conditional formatting, like all sorts of cool stuff. So it actually can do like a lot of, it can do so much of what active campaign can do. It's an awesome software. Yeah, that's true. I totally agree. And then tell the good old folks about your freebie link and what they can expect from that. Oh yes, definitely go to tarzank.com slash emails slash email or slash emails. They'll both work (laughs) and you will find a 10 email promo sequence. So it's a really nice swipe file. If you're wondering like, what do I put in all these promo emails I'm supposed to be sending out? Well, this is an excellent swipe. You can see when the emails go out, what goes in them, when do I use testimonials, all that kind of stuff. So go there and get that. And what else? But really like you should stay for the emails because my emails are excellent. And if you want to get better at it and learn what great emails look like, they're entertaining. I always give you a chance to opt out if you don't want to see my promotions. So join my email list and hit reply and introduce yourself. Yes. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. So besides replying to your emails and getting the goodness from your freebie, where can people connect with you or get more of the Tarzan goodness? Oh, so I'm also pretty active on Instagram. Perfect. I usually do stories every day. Well, not every day that I'm working, which is only three days a week. So three days a week, I do stories. I'm also active in my DM. So you can give me a shout there too. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, we we are definitely Instagrammers. So go and say hello to Tarzan. Give her a follow. DM her. Let her know what your biggest takeaway was and what you're excited to start implementing. And I just want to say thank you so much, Tarzan, for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I love systems. They save me too. <laughs> thanks for listening to the System Save Me podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging us at System Saved Me.